So before we get started on this episode of Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com, I want to take us back about, what, four, 15 months ago? I actually did an interview with this guest, but it was one of the lost episodes. For whatever reason, the show never got published. We have it. I have it. I actually have my archives right now, but we never got to run it. But it was probably better off because there's a whole lot that's happened in those 15 months that my guest has gone through. And there's a lot of other things we didn't get a chance to talk about as well. And I figured let's go ahead and bring our guest back. He graciously has given us time um, here once again with the co-founder of Cornbread Hep, Jim Higdon, once again on Grassroots Marketing. Thanks for being on. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Very good. Before we get into everything, I don't know if I got a chance to touch on it, but we're going to assume, you know, I'm nobody, never, nobody ever got to hear it. So let's just mention this. First of all, you come across, you're initially a journalist at heart. You wrote a book uh, called The Cornbread Mafia, Homegrown Syndicate Code of Silence and the biggest marijuana bust in American history. So you have, you know, a lot of entrenched interest in the cannabis industry to the point you also went ahead and moved into, and also there's a book series on top of that where other and very like-minded books that you've done. With that said, you also have a podcast now, the Cornbread Mafia podcast, which is a true crime podcast. So based on the books, you've adapted them into podcasting, but then you have Cornbread Hemp. There's a lot right there that you put in. What was it about your work in media? And your work as a as a book author, accomplished book author, that said, let's go ahead and move along and take the cornbread brand into an actual retail. Well, uh, first of all, that's a that's a great lead in. There's lots going on, as you just pointed right. out. We, um, and you know, the cannabis space is really fascinating, right? Because it's a new industry, and everyone's coming into it from a different background, and everyone comes from somewhere. Um, and um, I do not know of other journalists who have entered into the business side of the space, but it felt really natural for me. Um, and here's, you know, kind of the, the short version of the story is that um, uh, to your point, uh, I'm the author of a book called the cornbread mafia. Uh, it's the story of my hometown in central Kentucky and how my hometown was the headquarters of what the federal government said was the largest domestic marijuana syndicate in American history. Um, in the uh, second half of the 80s, from 85 to 89, uh, authorities arrested 70 Kentucky men on 30 farms in 10 states with what the government said was 200 tons of cannabis. And of these 70 guys that got arrested, none of them talked or cooperated in exchange for a lesser sentence. And that frustrated prosecution of this group and led federal prosecutors to hold a press conference in the summer of 1989 to lay out their case against uh, all these men. And in the course of that press conference, uh, refer to them as the cornbread mafia, uh, and that's the that's the the phrase that caught the attention of the newspaper writers and the and the headline writers, and um, it's what went and sort of wrapped around the world and gave another level of notoriety to the town that I come from. And <clears throat> I went off to uh, to school to be a writer and kept talking about this story about my hometown, where I, you know when I was at school and in the Northeast and it just captivated people's attention who didn't think they cared anything about Kentucky, but they were just fascinated by the story. Um, but because no one talked, it was difficult to get that story out. Uh, but then I found myself at the Columbia journalism school and, and found methods and ways of generating narrative from court documents and interviewing folks who might not want to be interviewed right away. And, 
use that skill set I developed at Columbia to come back to my hometown uh, and write this story, the sort of the beginning of my journalism career. Um, and the success of that book led me into a journalism career. And I was covering cannabis policy at a fairly high level for national publications. And while covering cannabis um, in 2018, covering the farm bill that was going to legalize hemp outright, realized that there was just not uh, an authentic brand uh, on the CBD side or the hemp side of the cannabis business that was really leaning into hemp as cannabis and into the tradition and history of hemp and cannabis growing in America that existed um, when it was legal and then when it was not legal, uh, and now it's legal again. Um, yeah. All the brands at the time, and really all the brands still on the on the on the hemp side, are trying to distance themselves from cannabis in any way they can possibly conceive of, from zero THC to um, branding and uh, uh, packaging that just looks nothing like what you would expect from a cannabis product. So. Um, well, I want to, before we go yeah. along in, into, into the product, I want to get back into the journalism front because there is one pressing question I got to ask is the fact that I'm doing uh, some research to look for really the negative connotation the press continues to have. This mainstream press does not do any favors to the cannabis industry to the point that uh, our previous conf conference series, uh, we talked about the negative portrayal of cannabis in the media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listen, the, all due respect, there's some good journalistic outlets out there that are doing, you know, really, they're doing a great job as best they can getting the word out there. We would talk about Benzing or MJ Biz or, you know, Cannabis Business Times, just to name a few, Marmonal Moment. There are some good, credible and, and very well, you know, storied journalistic outlets out there. But the attack and the size of the megaphone against those others that can continue to go ahead and just downplay and continue to just go attacking on the cannabis industry on a regular basis. You know, they can go ahead and take every time, oh, there's here, here comes unionization. Here's destroying a property. Here's, you know, more illegal problems. Um, just recently, the New York Times put out an essay saying it's not just about pot. Of course, they like to say that as a as the derogatory term. Our entire drug policy needs an overhaul. Things like that. So we still, I mean, years later, I'm going to do an episode about that because I just think that's one of the things that continues to need to be pressed on in this industry that we need to go and find a way to, you know, push back on that narrative. And, you know, the, when cannabis is not, it's going to be part of that news cycle again, then we need to get something where the right people are in front being the spokespeople for the industry and that the products that are being done out there. We're actually getting the right information now. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, I mean, you know, I agree with you. I do think that mainstream media has is becoming better at portraying uh, cannabis legalization efforts. Everything from the B roll that they use in their TV news segments to, uh, you know, how they're um, introduced. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that every time a cannabis story was in the TV news, it was required to that someone on screen crack a joke about weed and make a Beavis and Butthead laugh. Right. And in those days seem to be largely gone. It seems to be an inevitability. I'm here in Kentucky. We're one of 13 states without medical cannabis. And there is an increasing amount of local news coverage on the issue that's treating it in a serious way, uh, that's prioritizing it. Um, so um, <clears throat> I'm, well, I'm asking that because the local news, yes, you're absolutely right about local news is really doing they're doing the right service because it's it's there within a community and that's you know responsible reporting, but the accountability of anybody uh, uh, you know in a, in a national news sense that Congress uh, the congressman or congresspeople are going to be listening to, or you know say the Biden administration whoever is listening in Washington D.C. they're listening to those national news sources the people that are speaking for them they're only going to listen to them they're in their one their own bubble as we all know, but we need to penetrate that bubble to get the right word to them obviously you know Middle America. People within everyday people are understanding the benefits. We're get, education is getting out there, but then there's this constant trudging and downplaying of cannabis, which I think doesn't even help when it comes to, you know, does anybody even know outside of the normal gamut that we've had bills out there for legalization that have been out there for a while, various ones, including the uh, CAOA or the MORE Act. Are we going to get those? Will people get a chance to hear about that so they can go ahead and make the effort to lobby and to persuade their Congress people to go ahead and pass the bill? Well, so, you know, here's where here's where my experience as a journalist comes in, which I think the, the more act and the COAO or however. COA. Yeah. COA. Yes. Just Jesus. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, like I know. I mean, just, you know, like all in an effort to get. Uh, marijuana out of the acronym because marijuana is bad and cannabis is good, but then you ruin an easy to understand term. Like, it's just like, like I get that cannabis is a better term to use than marijuana, but for goodness gracious, let's have an acronym that we can all agree on. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be more difficult than it needs to be. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, I do not think as a former journalist, I mean, this coming on the hills of, of an actual standalone cannabis bill getting signed by the president, which um, the, the the research bill uh, last week or so, uh, you know, I never thought that, that a standalone cannabis bill would ever pass out of Congress. And we've had, you know, exactly one. Um, and all this effort put into passing the MORE Act and, and, and its Senate um, uh, companion bill, um, it's just really without 60 votes in the Senate, just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. No. And in all of the effort and um, investment that advocates and industry folks make to get these things passed, like you, we just have to realize what the mechanics of Congress are capable of and what what is possible and what is not possible and use the mechanics of Congress in a way that makes what we want to do more possible than standalone bills, which frankly, standalone bills in a dysfunctional Congress the likelihood of them passing is practically nothing. So the 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 farm bill, which is the vehicle that we've been using to legalize hemp versus a pilot project and then 
fully legal. And now there's a new farm bill coming down the uh, pike next year in the next Congress. Um, that farm bill is a thousand pages. Every congressman, congressperson tends to vote for it. Um, I mean, it, it, it's an automatic pass bill. It, 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 it sets the priorities for the entire United States Department of Agriculture. And it has everything from uh, free school lunches in it to uh, policies for farmers in rural communities. So it has something for everyone in every congressional district. And they tend to get voted through right away. And the, and the hemp provisions in that farm bill were tucked into one page of that giant bill. It was negotiated in committee outside of scrutiny of a bunch of people. And then when it came up for a vote, it wasn't a vote on, on hemp or cannabis. It was a vote on the farm bill and it, and it sailed right through. And so in the future, I would, you know, I think the best way to move cannabis forward is through the farm bill or something similar to it that passes every five years. And every five years, we get another bite of the apple to, to push uh, the ball further down the court because the, the the reality is the entire prohibition to cannabis exists in one line in the farm bill that distinguishes hemp from cannabis um, or hemp from, from illegal cannabis based on the THC level. And you change the THC level and then cannabis becomes more legal. And then you eliminate the THC level and cannabis is all the way legal. So, I mean, we are getting a little bit of progress. I mean, uh, I mean, the only thing is just that, like you said, with the hemp bill, it's going to have to be uh, reestablished, I guess. I forget if it's next year, they have to go ahead and vote once again on the hemp bill. And then we also had recently the Cannabidiol Research Expansion Act, the medical research for mar marijuana now being allowed finally for that part to go forward, passing the Senate in the House, and President Biden has signed it. That's at least something to go in the right direction, but we can't worry about lame duck sessions. We can't worry about just waiting to see what happens here. But like I said, in order to get Congress to move forward, there has to be that megaphone, that voice that's going to go ahead and break, you know, from the noise to create signal. One of the things that was creating that as well, you had the cornbread, uh, cornbread mafia, true crime podcast, which got shut down. I, I didn't get a chance to read about this, but I saw it was taken down and it's no longer available. What can you tell us about what happened? Well, working on that now, it's uh, it's a funny thing when you go to tell a good story, um, what might happen. Um, so we had, yeah, we had a we have a great podcast. We have it in the can. Um, in the first two weeks of its launch, uh, it climbed into a top forty podcast on mm -hmm. on um, on Apple uh and received over a hundred thousand downloads um but um you know the the subtitle of my book that i wrote 10 years ago published 10 years ago cornbread mafia um what is it the uh, homegrown code of silence and the biggest marijuana syndicate in american history is, right. that, is that the subtitle? yes 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 that code of silence was was nearly impossible to break then and it has not gone away now um, it, it, it really speaks to the extraordinary, um, feat that, that getting that book, getting the story out of, uh, that tight lipped community, um, is really like speaks to the success of the book at all. When the podcast came out, um, that code of silence went to work to shut it down. So we are in the process of springing it free. We will be bringing it back to our audience. Many, many people, are asking uh, about it uh, on a daily basis on our social media channels. And um, 
um, I've got conversations uh, regarding that today. So we're definitely moving forward uh, to bringing that back to the public. It's unfortunate. So, I mean, really when it comes to podcasting, I, mean, I think I would know a little bit. Those kind of podcasts, when it's, it's documentary style, when it's really, even the true crime especially, very popular these days. Correct. When you compare it, because, you know, there is there are these certain niches that really just get a whole lot of widespread interest. When many, many podcasts might be a little more narrow cast, like this program might be, but it's important when that kind of things happens. That's it's it's a form of censorship. I'm not sure why that would be, but it's unfortunate. And it, it wasn't anything that the content was. Uh, I mean, not like we're not putting any podcasting under SEC regulations or something like that. There's not that, so it doesn't make sense why that would be. But I hopefully. The show gets restored in some way, shape, or form. We really hope for that. Appreciate now, that. I haven't talked about Cornbread Hub itself, but obviously a lot of things that are going on. You have a, a lot of different products when it comes to CBD, full-spectrum CBD gummies, oils, capsules, topicals, and also products for pets. You even have holiday bundles right now, right now during the Christmas time. I see one of the products you have is holiday blueberry CBD gummies. So uh, real quickly, go ahead and uh, share with the listeners about what's going on with cornbreadhemp.com cornbreadhemp.com and the product line you have so uh you know thanks for the setup um uh we're the fastest growing cbd brand in america uh the one and that's and that's a statement that seems uh that is justified in in a number of different ways from 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 partners that are, that we work with that uh work with the industry leaders in the cbd space to the spins data that 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 um calculates uh that analyzes retail sales across um, all channels. Uh, we're still mostly uh, a D2C e-commerce company, but we do have a significant number of um, retail partners in the natural food, um, uh, natural product space. Um, and we're driving uh, industry growth in CBD, both in the, as a top 10 gummy brand and as a top 10 driver of growth um, in the natural channel and the spins data. Uh, we're we're the fastest growing CBD brand in America. And that's on the back of um, our product line, which as you point out is full spectrum, which includes as much THC as federal law allows, which is, um, you know, in terms of our, in terms of our product formulation, because it's USDA certified organic, uh, all of the Delta nine THC in our products is naturally occurring. We're not doing any synthetic Delta eight or any synthetic Delta nine, um, uh, products at all. So we have we have two milligrams of delta nine THC naturally occurring per serving, along with fifty milligrams of CBD, um, and that's through our uh, organic flour only extract, extracted with organic um, food grade uh, sugarcane ethanol, um, to really bring a a a clean, robust, um, uh, uh, full spectrum cannabinoid uh, product uh, to our customers. So we've got extraordinary uh, customer retention. Once CBD expert users um, find our product, we uh, we keep those customers. Um, our subscriber base is growing like crazy and our repeat customers are helping us blow through our projections for the year. We're, we're about to, we're going to finish uh, 2022 over 5 million in revenue. Um, we're really nice. uh, growing into a national leader um, in the CBD space. And that's, uh, partly because of our, um, incredible brand and brand story. And that helps, you know, like capture the imagination for folks, but then also, um, certified organic full spectrum CBD gummies that are vegan, no gelatin with as much THC as federal law allows. That's all naturally occurring. So, you know, it's a clean CBD product. Um, 
that um, that meets the standard of the USDA organic program. Like that's that's what we're all about. Fantastic. So one more time, cornbreadhemp.com is the website. And that's for everything. So you want to learn about the books, you want to learn about the podcast. Oh, and, and, and oh, just in 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 you mentioned the the holiday blueberry gummies. Yes. Uh, these these are a special edition holiday um gifting gummy. And it's got on the on the box packaging a little to and a from space where you can write uh who it's to and from, like an easy gifting option um for for the holidays. We make um giving the gift of cannabis uh very friendly, very you know, like for uh adult children um gifting to their parents or uh, gifting in the family. It makes a um makes a nice, easy um uh holiday gift at cornbreadhemp.com. So again, I'm once again joined by Jim Higdon, co-founder of Cornbread Hep. Thanks again for making time to join us. See, this actually turned out better than the first one. How about that? So thanks for being on and uh, happy holidays. I, you know, I can't imagine what we were talking about last year. We've grown <laughs> so much has happened between then and now. Like this has been a wild year of a ride, and and we're really anticipating another wild one next year. Um, you know, it's it, it's a it there's a lot of frustrating things out there in cannabis and i hear your i hear your frustration on the cannabis front but i just want to like, like implore to you and to and to, and to folks in the industry like it, we're moving forward in the right direction and things are moving as things go pretty fast and yeah. and we're going to see a lot of a lot of positive news in 2023 out of the farm bill on hemp we're going to raise the thc level in hemp from 0.3% to 1.0% and a lot of good's going to come from that and it's going to give cannabis activists and understanding that through the farm bill, through the next farm bill, we could really break through. If we haven't legalized cannabis uh, by 2028, uh, we can use the 2028 farm bill to legalize it once and for all. There we go. So let's see what happens. And by the way, when it comes to what where things are going for uh, closing out this year and going into 2023, Christmas and New Year's weeks on Blunt Business, our company channel here at CannabisRadio.com. I'll be hosting those and I will do standalone shows that will be specifically on that certain areas of interest for what has happened this year and what goes to next year. We'll talk about that on Blum Business. And thanks again, Jim. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.